This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, it's been a tough start to the year. We are recording on July 5th, and the, uh, the markets have been most unhappy. And as of today, yeah, I checked the S&P, and it was down 21.5% year-to-date. So hurts pretty bad. And this episode is kind of going to go over how you and I track our family net worth and uh, maybe any kind of exercises we do throughout the year. So Elizabeth and I actually just did our mid-year. So we keep sort of a calendar year. And end of year, we, we take the, the numbers. And then the end of June, we do the same thing. So this year, we're down about 14.3% from the end of last year, which, um, you know, that hurts a little bit, but you'll notice that we're only down 14.3, not 21.5 as the S&P 500 is. So, you know, little silver lining with that, but that also means um, we have a bit of a, a ballast situation. So whenever the market goes up, we don't get all those returns either. So... Yeah, and I think we're down about more. I have a lot of money in tech stocks, and those have been hit especially hard. I think we're down probably close to 25% for our the investment part of our portfolio, and maybe a little bit more. I think November, we hit our high, and we're probably down, yeah, a couple more points. Uh, if I go back that far from our all-time high, should I say. Gotcha. And yeah, so like I said, we do six month checkpoints and, you know, we can kind of consider it our net worth. However, we really just look at our accounts with money in it. So our 401k, our Roth, our, um, I guess that's all of them. And then we have our post-tax brokerage accounts as well. And then any sort of cash operation accounts that we have. So I even, you know, look at my business and consider that since I'm the owner of that and then anything in our checking or savings account. But we don't really look at our other assets like the house or our cars or anything like that. So it's really just looking at the numbers of uh, like sort of liquid assets in air quotes. Okay. Interesting. Yep. And how do you guys do yours? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much the same. Actually, we are, all our cars are old and not worth much of anything. So we don't include those and we don't include the house either. Uh, I'm not sure why that just doesn't feel as liquid and it's, uh, it's not something you can just get rid of. Uh, it's hard to get rid of and you need a place to live. So we kind of dismiss that. So yeah, we pretty much just go over the numbers, but we do go over our spending as well, in addition to, and we do that monthly. That's for the Bigger Pockets Money Show. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. So we do our spending as well. Okay, cool. And actually, that's really similar to us. So typically on a monthly basis, we go over the expenses afterwards just to see how things are going. I do the bookkeeping myself for my business just so I keep an eye on all the cash flow and make sure I'm not paying for like software subscriptions that I don't need and just 
I really understand what's coming in and going out and all that. And yeah, then we sort of true up at the end of the month. So, and, and you guys have been doing the expense tracking and the budgeting stuff on bigger pockets money. So do you do anything different than you had been or are you just recording it now? Uh, well, we've tried to track it in the past, but we haven't been good about it. We'd start in the year and we'd be super motivated and then we'd get busy and we'd just stop and never pick it up. But now, since we're doing these public reports, uh, we have kept up with it and we're doing it much more granularly. We've got this fancy spreadsheet online. Uh, there's a link to it. I think it's biggerpockets.com forward slash Mindy's budget. If that's not correct, I will put a link to it in the show notes. But yeah, we're very specific and granular about what we check. For example, we've got a line item for travel. We've got a line item for Mindy's obsessed with toilet brushes, specifically from Ikea. So we have a line item just for that. And go Mindy, she spent zero on them this year. So maybe she's overcome her toilet brush addiction. Yeah. What? Why, why does she like the toilet brushes from there so much? I, I don't know. Well, she thinks you can only use a toilet brush X number of times and then you have to replace it. I'm like, I don't know. It looks fine. It's clean in a toilet. Like, it's not like we're going to brush our teeth with it or anything like that. I'm, I'm not sure what the obsession is with toilet, <laughs> toilet brushes. She says they wear out, but they, they look just fine to me. Gotcha. We use the, um, like the disposable, uh, like little scrubby things. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, are they specifically for a toilet or? Yes. Okay. No, I'm not aware of this product. Yeah, yeah. They just have like a little um, little attachment that, that ho holds it on the end of a handle, right? And then you can scrub and then you just, uh, you know, release the scrubby thing and then uh, you could flush it. Okay. This isn't that same thing you told me about a couple months ago that you use in the shower. Is it the, your poof thing that you scrub your skin with or? exact same one yeah exact same one no they're they're separate um yeah they're separate but it's something to look into something to look into what is that thing called again that you scrub your i don't know it's like uh you know a loofah uh, some people may call it a loofah but a loofah is like a you know a organic like plant kind of thing we'll, we'll have to google it i'm sort of getting out of my element here but uh it's uh like a little thing that you could put soap in, like body wash, and then uh, you, you rub it all over your body. Oh, okay. It's like sudsy. It helps you make suds. Yeah, I do use the body wash, so maybe I'm, I'm going to have to look into this product. Okay, yeah. They're, they're cheap, man. You can get a bunch of them. I'll give you one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could put that in the shop. The Mile High Fi um, body, body wash sponge. Yeah, and maybe the, the toilet thing, too. It could have, like, a little plane on there or something. I don't know. Like, the plane, we could play, like, <laughs> oh, you feed kids, like, the plane flies into the toilet and scrubs the ball. So, I don't know how we recover from that, but when did you guys start tracking your uh, number one expenses and your net worth? Well, we've been tracking the net worth probably since around 2000. I remember I started right before the... Uh, the Great Recession happened like around 2007, 2008. I was doing it around then. And then when that happened, I kind of freaked out. So I didn't pay attention to it for like three years. And then eventually I, I started looking at it again. So we've been tracking our net worth pretty much the whole time, except for that exception. And expenses is a more recent phenomenon. We started doing that when I decided I wanted to leave work and we needed a pretty good projection of our spending. So that would have been since 
like 2013 loose tracking of spending. Got it. Interesting. So in 2007, you started to, you were like, hey, I'm interested in my net worth. Do you happen to remember what it was back then? <sighs> um, yeah, I don't know. Probably a couple hundred thousand, like much. We would always max out our 401ks, except when the recession happened, I stopped doing that, which was a very stupid move. I did the exact opposite thing of what I should have done, but right. we were investing since 1998 and always maxing it out. Yeah, it was probably over 100, but maybe not even 200 at that time. Okay, cool. And then the other part I was going to say, you know, we started tracking our net worth and expenses in May of 2014. So it's all in one spreadsheet and we just add a new tab and then continually add to it and you know over the years maybe we consolidate some accounts and make things simpler which is kind of the trend because before it was kind of you know things were a little scattered different employers but as we roll things over it's become like fewer line items and, and simpler to track but this is a staggering thing it's so cool to look at it over the years like you said 2013 so for us we're looking at over eight years and the net worth is up by about 3.4 uh, X, which is pretty awesome, I think. Yeah. It's a, a staggering amount of money, especially when you start off, you're like, oh, wow, that seems good, I guess. I don't know. It's the first time you're looking at it and we didn't know quite what to make of it. But yeah, just over time, compound interest and us earning more money over time, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is amazing how quickly it builds up. And like to uh, d to carry that on, can you imagine where it'll be five or 10 years from now? Like it's just... It doesn't even feel it's real to think about it. Just I, I dismiss the thought like if it money continues on this, we'll be worth like this much. And ah, well, no, that's just ridiculous. But no, it probably should and will happen. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty crazy. And I think I feel like I've heard, you know, people mention there's some critical mass of like you know you're saving for a while and then once you I'm just gonna make it up, but once you hit like a, a million dollars or so, then it like the compound interest really kicks in. And you're like, oh, that's insane. Like it has such momentum. You don't have to do much. You can make some dumber decisions even. And yeah. it's still going to be okay. Yep. So very cool. Now, like I mentioned, we have um, some other areas uh, that we have investments, not just the S&P 500, which we actually mostly have um, VTSAX or is it VTI is the non-admiral version. But you know, the broad market index fund, we have something like 10 or 15% of bond index funds in cash or so. So do you guys have um, anything in that asset class? Uh, we are 100%. No, we have no bonds and very little cash. Uh, Mindy's still working, so we don't feel the need to have cash around. If she did decide she wanted to leave, we would get more cash. But I don't think I'll ever buy bonds. I think I'll just have it. Uh, Go Curry Cracker had a pretty good Article, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, he makes a good case just to be in stocks the whole time. And I think that's what we'll do. Like over the long period of time, I think that works out the highest. Obviously, you have to put up with more volatility, which people might not be comfortable with. And if you're not, you definitely should buy bonds. Uh, you can have opportunity to rebalance if you do have bonds in your portfolio. But yeah, we won't ever have bonds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've gone back and back and forth. I started to... Um, you know, move things over and I'm like, ah, it's probably fine kind of to the point of, you know, optimizing versus just keeping it simple. And I was like, ah, it's probably 
is probably fine. Like it doesn't really matter that much at the sort of threshold that I'm looking at. But I think it kind of goes back to something similar to paying off your mortgage or having the mortgage, right? Technically on paper, one's the better decision if you look at the spreadsheets and the math and the um, the projection. But you may just sleep better at night knowing your house is paid off. Yeah, it's not always about money. With that said, it feels pretty good to have a mortgage in the twos one. A 30-year is like 6%, right? Yeah, and it's it's funny how fast that uh, interest rate went up. Yeah, bonkers. It's crazy. So and, and to that point, we've actually been talking about like, hey, what if we what if we paid off the house even though, you know, on on paper, it's not as good of a decision, but it does change our monthly cash flow, which from a um you know, risk aversion standpoint, Maybe you do sleep a little bit better if you know you don't have to pay nearly as much just to stay at the the house you're in. So, yeah. I don't know. Anything to talk me out of it or what, what do you think? Uh, well, I think now would be the, the wrong time to do it. Yeah. You'd be selling your assets at a lower valuation, but I don't know if it helped you sleep better at night. It's not my choice, but my choice isn't for everyone if uh, you felt better about it. And after a while, all this stuff is diminishing returns. It's not really going to... right make any difference in our life. So if it gives you a psychological improvement to your daily life, like, uh, I don't know, maybe go for it. Yeah. And just to be clear, it wasn't like uh, right now when the market stand would be like, ah, in a few years, I'm like, ah, if I sell one of my assets, for example, it'd be like, ah, maybe you just pay it off and then uh, move forward instead of having, anyway. So splitting hairs there. Any other thoughts on, um, you know, checkpoints oh yeah that's one thing how often do you do a, a checkpoint do you just look annually i know you you know you do the expenses each month but do you look at like net worth or it's just part of the spreadsheet so you're already in there uh i look daily at our personal capital account for our like overall net worth i'm just curious to see what's going on with the economy we own individual stocks so i pay a little bit of attention to those to see what they're doing but it's more I don't take action based on these. Usually it's just for my entertainment and drama. Sometimes uh, we do things when the opportunities arise. For example, a friend needed to borrow money to buy a house. So we're making, it's an investment. He needs it for a short period of time so we can lend him money, make make 12%. He gets to buy his house. We both win. We're helping out a friend. But yeah, otherwise I don't, while I look at it, I don't take action on it that often. Gotcha. So you and it doesn't um, it doesn't stress you out when it goes down. You just look and you're like, ah, it's down twenty five percent or whatever. Yeah, and that was going to be my question for you too, but I guess I'll go first since you asked me. No, it doesn't give me any stress whatsoever. It did back in the past, but then I don't know. Once you learn that it's up and to the right, uh, volatility. These downturns are the price you pay. These occasional twenty to twenty five percent downturn. That's the price you have to pay for all of the growth that happens. The majority of the time, I think most days on the stock market are uh, are days where it ends higher than it started at, and uh, yeah, up and to the right over the long period of time. So why should I care about what happens in any year or even we could be have this current? Although I don't think we will. I think we'll probably recover from this this year. I would say, uh, knock on wood. But even if it did, this was a multi-year thing. It wouldn't give me anxiety. Yeah. Good. How about you? When you had this financial checkup, did the 
loss of 20 plus percent give you anxiety? Oh, no, you said it was uh, uh, 14.3%, which is still not insignificant. Right. No, it didn't, it didn't bother me. I mean, I understand, like you said, it's there's some volatility. And if, you know, when we look back at our net worth from 2014, you know, there were some big years, there were some flat years, even though, you know, financially we were doing really well from an income standpoint, it's like, it was flat. And we're like, what? This is crazy. But it's just like the market was not up that year. So and then the next year, we're like, oh man, it went up so much more than we thought. So it's just the price you pay. Now, Elizabeth is a little more, I think people have picked up. She's more risk averse than me and maybe takes it a little more, um, it's, it impacts her a little bit more to see these stats. So when I see like a oh, year to date is down X amount, I'm like, oh, you know what? Zoom out a little bit and let's look at two years. And we felt good where we were two years ago, right? And we're at the same point or higher than we were two years ago. So why do you feel bad now? And it's just the context of what you're looking at. So I like to zoom out and think about things like in the fuller context. And um, Elizabeth is more, and you've mentioned sometimes you have more of a, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth specifically, but basically she'll look at the markets down this year. That is very bad. And I'm like, well, if you zoom out and understand the full context, it's not that bad. Yeah. And uh, it's probably going to go up. It's probably going to go back up like it did the last time that this happened. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I saw a tweet from Brian Feraldi. It, it was really good. So I'm kind of disappointed that I can't remember it since I just saw it a couple hours ago. <laughs> but uh, it, it was something like that the market has, oh, I know what it was. He said something like the market has never not gone back up. And someone was like, well- does that mean it will always go back up and achieve new highs? He's like, well, that could happen. But if that actually does happen, we have much bigger things to worry about. No one will give a shit about the stock market if there's a world war or something else. Right. And I mean, the other the other piece of that is like, would you rather have like a, a higher net? I mean, you're probably going to be better off than if you didn't have a higher net worth, right? So at, at least you have that. Like you're in you're in a more uh, maybe like strategic position or something like that. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but yeah, at least you planned ahead a little bit at the very least. Yeah. So anyway, well, do you have any other observations on uh, net worth tracking or as you've seen other people, I know you've been to a bunch of uh, camp fives, you've been to other places where maybe you saw how people were tracking their net worth and such. Um, we have, uh, I'll put a link to this spending tracker that we use. It's pretty neat. It just uses a Google sheet. You can put a shortcut to this on your phone. It will cost you nothing and you can do a pivot table super easily. Uh, the waffles on Wednesday people explain this. So I will put a link to it. But the other thing I want to say just on a more general basis is once in a while you'll hear someone who is like, yeah, the stock market's gambling. I'm just going to, I want to be all in cash or statements like that, or I'm going to have an excessive amount of bonds, even though I'm 25 and still have 30 more years to work. Uh, there's definitely a risk of being in the stock market, not so much over the long term, but there's a risk to being risk averse too. If you're just going to keep all your money in cash, you're going to take a huge risk. If if you really want to retire early or want to retire with a sum of money, you're going to have to take some risk. Uh, and There's no other way around it. You have to do it in a smart manner, read the simple path to wealth, 
which will teach you why all this makes sense, but you do have to put up with uncertainty. Well said. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. And you can check out our our merch shop where we have um, you know some cool stuff. We'll put a link to that and it does go to support the show. It helps us pay for these lights in here and these expensive microphones that we have. Yes. All right. Catch y'all in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host. And Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.